Welcome everyone to episode 194 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Mark Baker to discuss Liverpool's 3 round win over Burnley in the Premier League. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Liverpool back to winning ways after their defeat at Arsenal last weekend. They had to work for it against Burnley, who are obviously struggling in the relegation fight at the moment. Jota put them in front on the half-hour mark. Burnley equalising through Dara Roche just before half-time. Then Luis Diaz. Within seven minutes of the second half, starting restored Liverpool's advantage and Darwin Nunez effectively sealed the points with 10 minutes to go. It's a result that sees Liverpool move back above Manchester City at the top of the table. Obviously, City still have um, their game in hand against Brentford to come. Arsenal, meanwhile, five points behind, but they go to West Ham tomorrow with the chance to close that gap back down again. So... um, Let's get into um, our three-yard match reviews. First of all, Mark, I mean, Liverpool started this game quite poorly, recovered to a degree, but in the end, it became a case of just getting over the line today, really, didn't it? Yeah, I'd say sort of three words. I'd say hard-fought hard victory, really. It was um, it was difficult in spells for Liverpool, and if, if opportunities would have been taken by Burnley in the second half, it would have been equally difficult towards the end of the game. So, I think Liverpool ultimately will be thankful that they were able to win the game. And in the end, because of the third goal from Darwin Nunes, they were able to see it out quite comfortably because it could have been a little bit, a lot different, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, Liverpool wasted a few chances um, before that point too, when when they were winning 2-1. I've gone with squad stepped up and that's uh, in reference to the contributions we saw from uh, Harvey Elliott and uh, Quivine Callagher today, but we'll come on to those a little bit more later. Um, I do think that, like I said um, just then, really, that Liverpool didn't really get going in the beginning of the game. And, and they did improve a bit, but they were still miles away from the best. Obviously, I don't think Liverpool were good in this game uh, by any means. I think they, they were lucky, um, obviously, with the missed chances for Fana uh, with a couple of those. And then, to be fair, I think there was one where the ball rebounds out I think it's Odebert the ball came to, and he completely made a mess of it. Um, so that was a big chance as well. So Burnley had a lot of opportunities in the game, um, whether that was a nil-nil or, or two-one. Um, and, and as much as Liverpool did have players unavailable, I've, I've got the full list here: Allison, Bradley, Canate, Gomez, Sobersly, Thiago, and Salah all out today. And uh, you know, a good few of those probably would have started if they were fit. You would expect them to be a bit more dominant and a bit more controlled um, against a side as poor as Burnley, who, to be honest, do look a, a bit like, maybe not today, but for most of the season, do look a bit like a championship team trying to slug it out um, in the Premier League. But, you know, I think, obviously, after the disappointments of last week, the main emotion is just the relief and the the positivity around, you know, getting those three points on the board, um, knowing that there are obviously going to be more difficult games to come. Um Mark, why do you think Liverpool did find it harder today than you would have thought, given the, the golfing quality between the two teams? Yeah, I thought um, in the first half, especially Dave, I felt they had this sort of structural problem with some of the personnel in the team. So I think there was a lot made of Joe Gomez um, coming into midfield, obviously, in the last game when Liverpool were in possession. And a lot of people wondered why it wasn't Alexander-Arnold obviously being recalled to the 
be called to the side and that seemed the most obvious play in terms of getting your most creative player as is, as is usual on the ball. But I think one of the factors for that, which hasn't been mentioned as far as I've seen, is with Salah's absence on that right-hand side, Liverpool have got a different kind of player currently occupying that space in Diogo Jota. And by flipping the system and allowing Joe Gomez to come into midfield as opposed to Alexander-Arnold, what that does is it gives you a different sort of configuration of your players. So if you think about Salah on that wide right-hand side, when Alexander-Arnold plays in field when Liverpool have the ball, Liverpool are quite comfortable in opening up that space for Salah because he's one of the most creative passers in the Premier League. Obviously, we know that he's a player who likes to exploit space between centre-half and full-back. But he's also adept at being able to receive the ball and find moving targets, such as his range of passing. And that has obviously worked so successfully for Liverpool because of the sort of change in profile that Salah's had over the last few years. Now, when you've then got Diogo Jota occupying that space, that is not a, a position you want to open up for Diogo Jota to be receiving the ball on the touchline and trying to find moving targets. That's not his game. What you'd essentially want him to do is you want him to play between centre-half and full-back, make them runs from out to in, and basically be the height of the team. So, in a sense, that's why I believe that Liverpool changed the, the structure for that particular Arsenal game because of that sort of the different dynamics that them two players bring. And you could see the sort of problems that Liverpool had today in that Alexander-Arnold was coming in field in the first half, as expected, a lot of the time in possession. And then Jota was having to sort of obviously hold his position on that right-hand side. Now, that was compounded by Alexis McAllister then playing as the right-hand side midfield player in the three. Because essentially what you want is, if Alexander-Arnold is going to come inside, you want someone to replace Diogo Jota on that right-hand side when Liverpool have the ball so that Jota can still play between centre-half and full-back. Now, ideally, that's where Dominic Sabozlai, for example, is so important to Liverpool because he's comfortable in them wide areas. He's comfortable picking the ball up in them wide spaces, but also making them runs to create space for others. Essentially, making more space in the centre of the pitch. And again, allowing you to have them free forwards occupying the centre-halves on the highest line of the pitch. Harvey Elliott, likewise, is the most adept at doing that when Sabozlai doesn't play because he's, again, capable of filtering into that right-hand side and playing in a wider position and higher position. So I've mentioned this before, but I do believe Alexis McAllister's best position is playing behind the ball as a, either a one or a two. I think he sees the game better there. I think he's not... Listen, he can play higher, don't get me wrong, but in the system that Liverpool play and what they want from them players playing in them two higher midfield positions, I don't think it really works because, A, he's not comfortable in going into the wide areas and he doesn't really want to make them sacrificial runs forward either. He's a player who wants the ball to feet. So I felt it, it caused Liverpool a bit of trouble in the dynamics about how they, how they were trying to play in the first half. I mean, don't get me wrong, I feel in the first half, as poor as Liverpool were and... And I felt Burnley, as I, I agree with you, Dave, I felt Burnley played pretty well. I still think there was a period after 1-0 where Liverpool could have put the game beyond Burnley. Such was the difference in quality between the teams. But I did think that was a big problem. Now, in the second half, Liverpool played Alexis McAllister a lot deeper, closer to Endo. But also, because Alexander-Arnold then had to go off, Curtis Jones played on the right-hand side, which meant that he held his position, which meant that Liverpool didn't have to have height or width from the, the player in the highest line of the pitch in Jota, he could then move inside. Curtis Jones could occupy the wide space. And all of a sudden, that Liverpool had a better structure with Alexis McAllister being able to play deeper and see sort of moving targets. And also, when Liverpool lost the ball, they were a lot more compact. So that was my reading of it anyway, David. Not the only problem that Liverpool has and what they changed, but I felt that was a big one for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, w with the amount of personnel that, that was missing... 
things did kind of have to adapt around that. You know, you mentioned Sobersly, you know, and Salah there. I mean, really, you had a version of Trent Alexander-Arnold there who's only just come back from injury. And, and he was the only sort of segment of that usual right-hand side that Liverpool had. Um, and it just felt like Klopp had to reshuffle things a little bit. Um, the good news on that front is um, for the second uh, week in a row, actually, Liverpool have uh, made the week off. And that is a uh, a result of them finishing top of the Europa League group. So they don't have to play in the uh, playoff round there. So no game this week. And that buys them a bit more time um, to get some players back before what looks like a very tricky game away to Brentford next weekend. Um, before we talk about um, Harvey Elliott, who you mentioned in that answer there, Mark, um, did you think that, you know, we saw Minton Company um, get booked for his, his protests around Liverpool's second goal for Diaz, um, appealing for a foul by Alexis McAllister beforehand? Do you think Liverpool got away with one there? Yeah, I think I think the answer, Dave, for me is as, as simple as if the lad goes down, he gets, you know, gets disallowed. It's, it's mm. as simple as that, isn't it? I've always said about VAR, by human nature, they don't want to intervene. If they don't have to, that's just a, a natural thing, subconscious thing. And the moment he doesn't go down, then it means that they don't necessarily, in their mind, they've got an excuse then not to get involved. And I mean, to be honest, I've seen it a few times. And at first, I wasn't sure if the player actually got a touch onto the ball and then McAllister sort of got a little bit of it. But it looks like that he, he sort of kicked through him anyway. So I think it all comes down to whether he went down or not, which shouldn't be the case. But yeah, I think Liverpool probably got lucky on that. Yeah, I, I think when I, I mentioned earlier about Liverpool being fortunate within this game, it's not only obviously the missed chances um, that Burnley had, it was that um, decision as well. But there was a report earlier this week that Liverpool has been um, wronged by more VAR errors. Than, than any uh, team in the Premier League. So maybe you can look at that as things coming back around a little bit. Um, but we'll see obviously how that pans out until the end of the season as well. But yeah, like I mentioned, we'll talk about Elliot now. I mean, that's uh, goal contributions off the bench against Wolves, Luton, Crystal Palace, when he scored the winner for Liverpool. Um, and now today as well with a couple of assists too. And, and I do think that if Liverpool go on to win the Premier League this season, um, which is still obviously a decently sized yet, there's a long way to go. But if, if that does happen, then I think you'd have to look back on, you know, these absolutely key moments in the season, um, engineered by Elliot in games with Liverpool. I mean, look at all those games there. Wolves, Liverpool were, I think, drawing when he came on. Um, Luton, they were behind. Actually, well, I'm not sure, but Luton, they obviously were struggling there. They went 1 0 down with about 10 minutes to go. Palace. They were trailing in that game too. I mean, these these were all games that would have had to sort of turn around in a sense. Why is it you think that Elliot has fared so much better coming into games midway through or, or two-thirds of the way through this season as opposed to starting them? Because he hasn't really shown his best form when he's begun games. But, you know, the list is mounted up now of like decisive impacts off the bench. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Dave, I, I just think he's a wonderful footballer, Elliot. I mean, how old is he, Dave? Is he 20 years of age, Elliot, I think? Um, 20, yeah. Liverpool have got a special player. I mean, he's apart from Alexander-Arnold, he's the only player in Liverpool's team who can hate you by not only playing uh, through you, round you, but also over you as well. And we've seen that with the, the final goal. And I was really disappointed. I don't know about you, Dave, but I was really disappointed that he didn't start against Arsenal. I really was. I felt that was the obvious sort of change to make once Sabozlai wasn't fit, as I say, the structure of the team, but also just because I just think he gives you great value in the attack and third. I mean, I was looking at some of his numbers, Elliot, and I agree, by the way, Dave, you have to take into account game state because obviously he's coming on later in the game. You can argue that maybe 
legs are getting a little more tired, but also he's got to pick up the, the pace of the game. And he's a lot of the time is in a situation where he's actually got to be a decisive figure in Liverpool getting an outcome out of the game. So you can sort of balance it both ways, I suppose. But I was looking at some of his numbers and I think he's in literally about the 95th percentile for anything you can do attacking wise for a midfield player. So in terms of being able to carry the ball, receive the ball in higher areas, shot creating actions, um, progressive passes. I mean, this is a special player at 20, by the way, technically, it, with the numbers he's posting for Liverpool. And I think the most important part for me is that Liverpool have just got to find a way of sort of, listen, it's early on in his career as well. I mean, he's obviously only 20, and you, you, you forget that. But I think he's just fell down a little bit in getting selected more often because I feel the clock may feel that physically to be part of that sort of midfield three that at times he goes with other players in there. But I think the system that Liverpool play with Alexander-Arnold coming in field and you've got two higher play, higher or more attacking-minded players playing in, at the top of that sort of box on the right-hand side, I just think he fits Liverpool perfectly. And I think he's just been unfortunate that especially in the earlier parts of the season that Sabozlai was Liverpool's best midfield player. And so you didn't really want to destabilise that, I suppose. And then you've got more of a sort of balanced player on that left-hand side in, in Jones, for example. Um, so in answer to your question, Dave, I mean, in terms of him starting games and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of the time, I suppose, when he has started in games, he's played in cup ties where Liverpool potentially aren't playing the strongest team. I don't think he's actually started that many games in the Premier League, has he? Um, I don't know. You'd have to look. But I'd be surprised if it was more than, say, five games. I don't know if that would be the case. But, um, I mean, listen, he's, he's going to go through peaks and troughs because of the age range he's at and the fact that Liverpool at this moment in time you know, he's coming in, in and out of games, which you've got to consider can't be easy, can't get a kind of rhythm. But the quality when he's on the pitch and what he can do in decisive areas in that final third, to be posting numbers like that at 20 and deciding the outcome of matches, I just think Liverpool have got a real, real top player on their hands. I mean, I don't know if you, you can look at the statistics in terms of how many teams he's actually started in the Premier League, Dave. Yeah, um, I just got to, while you, while you were talking there, he's only started um, three the whole season. Um, yeah. And I think he's appeared in 20 as well. So that's obviously 17 appearances off the bench. And you, you, like you mentioned, I mean, he started every cup game for Liverpool or Carabao Cup anyway. Um, started the game against Arsenal in the FA Cup and all of the Europa League group games as well. So like, like you were spot on really in terms of where his starting opportunities are actually coming. And that is um, mitigation for him because it does disrupt the, the balance of a team a bit. Um, looking at the other end of the pitch then, um, Kravine Kelleher coming in um, didn't expect them to be playing this game I think there's been some illness in the Liverpool camp that's why uh, Alisson and Joe Gomez couldn't play this one um, but he makes a really important save at nil-nil from Amdouni um, obviously the one from Fafana too obviously they're a bit, a bit lucky with the rebound not going in but that was sort of an Alisson-esque stop I'd say in terms of rushing out making yourself big getting there at the, the feet of the attacker and it was it was really good to see him produced those big moments today, wasn't it? Because I personally feel, I don't know if you agree with this, Mark, that he's had a below average season in terms of the, the standards he's played to previously at Liverpool. But today, he's obviously made a key contribution to Liverpool coming away with the three points. Yeah, I think first of all, Dave, I mean, when, whenever he's he's came in for Liverpool over the last few years prior to this season, I think you couldn't fault Kelleher, to be, to be perfectly honest. I think with the ball at his feet and his actual... You know, coming in to fill the boots of the, you know, the best goalkeeper in, in Wales football probably. And listen, there's a massive drop off in in terms of post shots. I'm sure when Keller has in goal as as comparative to Allison, but 
you could probably argue that for the majority of the goalkeepers in the Premier League. So what you want is you want them to just be in a situation where you're not looking at goals and thinking to yourself, I'm not quite sure about that one. You know, is, is that one he potentially should have saved? And I think what you're alluding to there is there's just been times this season when you've looked at that and you thought to yourself, I'm, I'm not quite sure in terms of whether one or two should have should have actually gone in the net. Not that they would go down as, as goalkeeping errors statistically, but when you look at them in terms of the, t- the technical detail of some of them, yeah, I think he's been found wanting once or twice. Again, I always put in the mitigation of he's coming into sometimes much-changed teams and obviously the, the pressure of trying to replace Allison. But I think it's big going forward over the next few weeks, Dave, because he'll obviously play in the, the, the Carabao Cup final. And I think that'll be a big boost to him today because I felt sort of his distances to engage with the oncoming attacker in both scenarios were absolutely perfect in terms of not coming in too quickly, making sure he decelerates, make sure he puts them brakes on, makes himself big enough to be able to delay the, the attacker making the decision. And I felt that they were key moments today. And I think in the bigger picture of things, the ones that hope will be really big for him because there's no doubt he's going to play the final and he's never let Liverpool down before when he, he's had to do that. So you'd like to think that, he, that that's boosted them today. And, you know, it is difficult to find top-class number two goalkeepers. We know this day, don't we? I mean, you know, clubs don't want to have keepers of a comparative or the same level. I mean, I know that's difficult to achieve with Alisson anyway, but because of the sort of equilibrium, the balance within the squad. And I think, you know, if you're looking at number two throughout the Premier League, I think he's a he's a good number two for Liverpool. And I think um, hopefully that will show again in the final where he can produce the kind of performances he's previously produced in cup, cup competitions, which is, has been really good. Yeah, 100%. Um, and even think about really the final coming up and... Um... Not only that, to be fair, I think Liverpool will be playing in um, the Europa League knockout stages soon, and you'd imagine they'll be playing that. So it's good for him to, you know, get a tiny bit of a rhythm from this um, and the confidence, more importantly, too. And and yeah, I do think that he, he's had a really good game tonight. And generally speaking, I am sort of happy with him and stuff. Obviously, it remains to be seen how much longer he is at Liverpool. Maybe there's a world in which that's the last Premier League game he plays for the club. Who knows? Um, obviously, a lot can happen. But um, yeah, I was really pleased with, with him today. And that's why I was sort of, you know, in reference to the amount of absence that Liverpool had, I think today was a story in my eyes of, of those players who wouldn't normally be starting games. You know, we mentioned Elliot and Keller, how, how few games Elliot has played too. Um, you know, they stepped up and they made the, the key impact for Liverpool today, which is something Jürgen Klopp will obviously be delighted about. Uh, who else then um, stood out for you in, in this one? Like, like we mentioned, Liverpool not at their absolute best, but there were a few players who, who did impress nonetheless. Yeah, I felt the probably the three forward players, to be honest, Dave. I mean, we've, we've covered Darwin Nunes and Joe Gojota a lot over the last few weeks. And I think both putting good performances again today um, in terms of being a threat at all times. And obviously, you know, in Jota's case, I felt there were some really good pieces of play in terms of some of the, the build-up to get into good areas. But I felt probably Luis Diaz, really. I felt he, he played really really well in the game and I think he's playing really well as well I mean I know we touched on him a few weeks ago when he seemed to have stagnated slightly obviously we know he's had issues in terms of off the pitch and stuff like that coming back from two bad injuries as well but yeah but I feel over the last few weeks he's getting back to sort of the kinds of form you sort of expected of him over the opening few months of the season really I mean we know what Luis Diaz is I mean He's magnificent in terms of retaining the ball under pressure in the final third. And so, that's something that is quite valuable to Liverpool because Liverpool have a lot of vertical players 
a lot of players who are so direct that it can be a sort of a 50-50 split if they're, they're going to hold it up for others or it's going to be given away. And I think Lewis Diaz offers you that. And when he's playing well, he offers you that in abundance. Obviously, his pass completion, I think, is over 90% in terms of players, players in his position. We know his, his ability to be able to carry the ball as well and relieve pressure for Liverpool by taking the ball down in high areas. But also, I was also looking at, I think, some of the statistics sorry, the other day, and I think he's over the 90th percentile for just in terms of being able to get touches in the opposition box, which which just shows you if he's not always finishing off the chances or making the final pass, but he's a player who gets into a lot of good areas, which opens up space for others as well. But I do believe it looks like his confidence is coming back. And I don't think it can be underestimated, David. It wasn't said a lot when, when I watched on the telly. That was a brilliant finish. I mean, when it flashed across the box to be able to contort his body to make that edit, it was a fantastic finish. And I think he's been really good for Liverpool. And you can see his confidence coming back. And if he's in that kind of form, then it bodes well for Liverpool in the second half of the season because he's a top player. There's no doubt about that. You just want him to be more clinical in the crucial moments. But then we could talk about that for a lot of Liverpool, or one or two of Liverpool strikers anyway. But no, I thought it was a really good performance from him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously maybe on this podcast and um, elsewhere, there, there was criticism of Diaz and of Liverpool's forward options um, earlier in the season, sort of around December time when, aside from Salah, they weren't really delivering. But Diaz, who had previously gone eight games without a goal for Liverpool, has now got four in his last eight. Um, so it's one of them where if a player is struggling, you know, maybe you do give him his fair share of criticism, maybe you do ask for more, but then when he delivers, when he kind of responds to that, you know, you've got to recognise that he's done that. And also, I mean, we won't sort of get into him in too much detail today, which is sort of refreshing in a way, because it feels like we're always kind of having the big debate about Nunez, but, you know, credit him. I think he, he had a good game today, um, getting on the score sheet, and he actually only needs uh, one more goal to um, equal his tally from the whole of, of last season in the Premier League now. So um, he's heading in the right direction. Um, and obviously Jota as well is just almost a bit of a solid light in the sense that you're not really surprised um, when he scores at the moment. And he's been an absolutely huge factor of Liverpool in this period without Salah because of Afcon and then obviously his injury now. We'll see when he does come back. Um, and also on Diaz, just to quickly add, I think in addition to the goal today, we saw a very kind of tenacious battle and performance, a lot of moments where he was proven too strong Um for his marker and just kind of really battling to get Liverpool back on the front foot. And that was something as well that I think characterised Diaz as best. So that was something I enjoyed from, from this performance. And I think there was a couple of times where Burnley players were appealing for a foul, but it was that Diaz was too strong and was sort of showing too much desire almost to, to win the ball back. Um, I so, think it's... Sorry to interrupt you there. I think the other thing we talked about earlier on in the season was... That I felt that he wasn't getting the opportunity for them one v one sort of interactions with the fullback as much for Liverpool since the change of system. Now with Gomez going in field, that's a vacated the left hand side, which again has got him on the ball a lot more, and I felt he's looked a little bit more dangerous in that way. Sorry to interrupt there, Dave. No, no problem. I just think that there was a couple of moments today as well where he was able to kind of bring the ball into space um, on the counter. There was one in particular where I think it was uh, Sander Berge in midfield. And he just completely sort of sidestepped them. And then um, I think it ends up in a sort of really promising situation for Liverpool. I think he then plays the ball left to um, Diogo Jota. And that was a, an instance of something we've not seen enough this season of Diaz's sort of 1v1 dribbling ability, close control. 
generating the opportunities and the openings for Liverpool. So that was a really nice sort of flash from him as well. Um, in terms of other players that I quickly mentioned, I think obviously Andy Robertson's first start since uh, he came back from injury. I thought he had a good game. Um, won four out of six duels, created five chances, including one big chance. Um, so he kind of looks like he's back on it already. And I think slightly under the radar, you mentioned it before, Mark, Curtis Jones filling in in that right-back role in the second half. I don't think it, it, there was anything sort of particularly stand out, but I was just sort of sat there towards the end of the game thinking he, he's done a really good job here in terms of, I think I've seen him play that role twice at a push. There was a game in, in the Cup, I think against Leicester, where he played there. Um, so it's obviously very unfamiliar to him, but I just think Klopp will have been very pleased with how he kind of carried out the, the tactical instructions of that position there and another sort of feather in his cap, being able to drop into different roles, almost James Milner style, and do the job for the team. Um, so, you know... Never, never give it away. Just never gives it away. Never gives it away. Yeah. Matter plays his, his ability to be able to turn out of pressure, not speed the game up too often. It was a, you know what it was? It was a season pro performance where he's asked to go into a different role and even great in that role as well. Yeah, he's definitely growing in, in stature, really, as this season goes on. Um Obviously, he fills in at right back because Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, comes off a half-time. Klopp said after the game that he felt discomfort in his knee, um, which he'd obviously injured previously. And um, he said that he said to Klopp that he could carry on, but Liverpool obviously weren't going to take the chance in terms of you don't want the re-injury to occur. Alarm bells are slightly ringing in my head on this one, Mark, because Dominic Soberslake came back and then he reported that he was feeling a bit of pain in his hamstring again. I mean, it could just be two isolated incidents, but is there a concern here that Liverpool are in the midst of this title race rushing players back a little bit? Because that is two cases now in a very short space of time. Yeah, I have been a bit concerned even if you look back to last season, David Luis Diaz, because he ended up coming back and then it obviously broke down again on his, his knee. And obviously the big one is Thiago. I mean, listen... At the end of the day, who are we? We're not medical experts and Liverpool have got the best of the best, I'm sure, in, in them kinds of positions, which would have said that these players are, are obviously in a position to be able to uh, take to the field. But you do just think to yourself when you see Thiago, I think he'd been in first-team training for, was it a week before, or, you know, five days before? I might be wrong in that. I know he's been obviously training, but I'm talking about first-team training in terms of with the group. And then all of a sudden he's come in at, at Arsenal for the last 10 minutes or whatever it was. Now people will say, well, listen, he, you know, he shouldn't get injured, all this kind of thing. I get, I get that off 10 minutes, of, 10 minutes of work. But the reality is with some of these players, especially the likes of your Thiago's, you've got to wrap them in cotton wool. You've got to be absolutely certain that they're ready to go. It might be, you know, I know it's old fashioned these days in terms of being in the reserve team, but maybe giving some little bit of minutes in, in terms of runouts with the 21s. And I don't know how they, they work it, but Listen, it sounds ridiculous. Who am I to be questioning that? But I just, when Thiago went off, that was the one because I just thought having him fit for the back end of the season, even if he was to play a reduced role in terms of the minutes he played per game, that would have been so valuable to Liverpool to be able to add to the squad. And that was the one that got me. And, and like you say, it, it is a bit concerning because we've got a few players there who've come back from injury and all of a sudden then they're, they're back on the sidelines again, which can't be good because... I suppose you're only as good as your best players and, and Liverpool aren't getting enough of them on the field at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been looking back to, to these players returning for a long time and then they're jumping straight out the team again. And yeah, I just, you know, completely forgot to mention Thiago there, which is obviously a really good example of that too. Klopp obviously said 
before this game that he expects to have Thiago available before the end of the season. But this is the same player who was supposed to be back for preseason and then didn't show up till uh, February. So um, we'll have to very much see what happens on that one, but probably best not to get our hopes up there. But yeah, we'll leave it there for this podcast anyway. Um, obviously not an entirely positive day for Liverpool, but the main thing, the main headline is that they have got the three points. They are back to the top of the Premier League and their next game is away to Brentford where obviously they haven't won since Brentford got promoted back to the Premier League. So that'll be a really tough test for them and another one that they'll have to navigate um, in this Premier League title race. But yeah, make sure you join us after that one for the match reaction again. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks to Mark for joining us and take care.